This is Weekly Dose of Wellness, brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. Here's Deborah Howell. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Deborah Howell and today's guest is Dr. Tui Lei, a cardiologist and electrophysiologist with the Memorial Care Heart and Vascular Institute at Orange Coast Memorial. Today we'll be talking about AFib and its complications. Welcome, Dr. Lei. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for um, having me on your show. The pleasure is all ours. Let's begin. What is AFib? Atrial fibrillation is actually a type of arrhythmia or an abnormal heart rhythm. The abnormal heart rhythm for atrial fibrillation originates in the top chambers of the heart. So for most patients, um, everyone has four chambers. The top two chambers are called the atrium. The bottom two is called the ventricle. Normal rhythm normally originates from the right atrium, then moves towards the center of the heart to the AV node and then on to the ventricle. Patients who have atrial fibrillation fibrillation does not have an organized rhythm, and instead you have multiple focus bombarding middle of the heart, the AV node, and hence they'll end up with an abnormal heart rhythm. Atrial fibrillation, the heart twitches or fibrillates uh, in a rapid and unorganized fashion. Got it. Is it a condition you can acquire over time or one that you're born with? So actually, it's a condition that um, you do acquire over time, and there are some patients who are born with it. So if you have uncontrolled high blood pressure um, or valvular heart disease, some patients who have um, sleep apnea or thyroid are more predisposed to atrial fibrillation, and we're also finding that there are some patients who have no risk factors, and they do have a family history, so it's something that you can acquire as well as be born with it. Interesting. Roughly how many people have AFib, and how do they know they have it? So it's estimated that about 2 to 3 million uh, Americans have atrial fibrillation, and most of these patients have symptoms. These symptoms can include palpitations, fatigue, shortness of breath, chest pain, or dizziness. And then there are a subset of patients who have atrial fibrillation for which they have no symptoms whatsoever. Hmm. What is the best way then, in your opinion, to treat AFib? So in terms of treatment, it actually varies on um, the diff- there are several factors that goes into the treatment plan for atrial fibrillation, um, whether or not the patient is symptomatic from their atrial fibrillation, the type of atrial fibrillation they have, as well as the cause of atrial fibrillation. So for example, if you have a young person who has paroxysmal atrial fibrillation, meaning that the AFib comes and goes and they have no other structural heart disease, these patients may prefer a procedure to treat their atrial fibrillation as opposed to a more elderly patient who may have chronic atrial fibrillation who may not be aware of the atrial fibrillation. And for these subset of patients, medication may be the best way of treating them. Got it. Okay. Now, I understand there are some new procedures available for someone living with AFib. How do they work? So if you're interested in having a procedure for atrial fibrillation, there is a uh, procedure called um, ablation. Now, ablation can be performed using heat energy or cold energy. Um, We started off with heat energy. There's two types of ablation that we perform. There's the AV node ablation, and this type of ablation is mainly for rate control. You still have the underlying atrial fibrillation, but with an AV node ablation, um, you're blocking the signal from the atrium going to the ventricle, and in this particular procedure, you would actually need a pacemaker with the AV node ablation. If you're looking for heat ablation for rhythm control, which means restoration of normal sinus rhythm, 
Radio frequency ablation is aimed at isolating the pulmonary veins, which are veins originating from the left side of the heart in the top chamber, the left atrium. Radio frequency ablation can be cumbersome because it's a point-by-point ablation trying to isolate each of the pulmonary veins, and that can take six to eight hours. There is a newer type of ablation that is um, available within the last few years called cryoablation, and with this type of ablation, we use cold energy instead of heat energy. And this technology is great because instead of doing point by point, we actually deliver the cold energy through a balloon and the balloon is inserted into the pulmonary vein. The balloon is then inflated and then you would make one circumferential freeze. This uh, type of procedure takes about two to three hours and the success rate with this type of ablation is on the order of 80%. That is fantastic. I love to hear that. Now, if left untreated, can AFib do long-term damage? And if so, what would some of the outcomes be? So the main two um, conditions that we're concerned with uh, in terms of atrial fibrillation is stroke and congestive heart failure. During atrial fibrillation, the atrium is not contracting vigorously, and as a result, the blood does not flow or empty as well. It becomes stagnant and can form a clot, and if this clot breaks off, it goes to the brain the patients then develop a stroke as a result of it. The other condition that we're most concerned with in terms of atrial fibrillation is that if you, if the patient has a rapid rate as a result of the atrial fibrillation, over time you can cause the heart to become weakened and develop congestive heart failure. I see. I think I know how you're going to answer this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is a procedure always necessary to correct the heart rhythm, or can people just live with AFib if monitored? Correct. In terms of uh, management of atrial fibrillation, it really depends on the individual, their symptoms, and the type. Um, There are many patients that we do manage with medications, and if medication does not work, then they would go on to have some sort of procedure for the management of their atrial fibrillation. Got it. Okay. Now, since sometimes an irregular heartbeat and a heart rhythm is unnoticeable to a patient, when is it most appropriate to see your physician to get checked for this condition? I think that if you have certain conditions that would predispose you to atrial fibrillation, you should be monitored for it. Um, some condition, um, as I've already mentioned, um, uh, sleep apnea, if you have an uncontrolled thyroid problem, if you have diabetes or high blood pressure, if you have any type of structural heart disease such as congestive heart failure or valvular heart disease, a lot of these conditions puts you at higher risk for atrial fibrillation, and so when you go and see your doctor, you may want to ask for an EKG, which can pick up the atrial fibrillation. Okay, so you just really ask your doctor to check for for these symptoms and for any irregularities during your routine annual exam to ensure they don't have AFib. Okay, do you have any advice you'd give to someone who has atrial fibrillation? I think it's important that if you do have atrial fibrillation, that you actually see a specialist in atrial fibrillation. That way, The specialist wouldn't have a better idea in terms of what would be the best treatment for that individual, whether it's medication, for stroke prevention, he or she can determine what your stroke risks are. Um, They can uh, control um, uh, your risk for developing congestive heart failure. They can determine whether you would need rate control or different type of medications for rhythm control and then can make the determination in terms of what type of ablation would be best for you. Okay, so keep up with your annual checkups, ask the right questions, get the tests that your doctors recommend, and then if necessary, go see a specialist. Correct. Okay. Uh, Is there anything else we should know about what's on the horizon for AFib? 
Uh, yes, there is a new procedure um, on the horizon for atrial fibrillation um, where they include a small appendage in the atrium to reduce the risk of stroke. It's not um, universally available, but we're always coming up with new technology to try to manage patients uh, with atrial fibrillation. Is that currently available in the U.S.? Uh, yes, it is. It's called the Watchman. The Watchman. I like it. <laughs> Well, we want to thank you very, very much, uh, Dr. Lay, for being on the program with us. It's been great to have you. Learned a lot. In your opinion, where should people go to get more information? Uh, I think you should go to see your cardiologist, and then he or she can always refer you to an electrophysiologist. Fantastic. And to listen to the podcast or more info of this show, please visit memorialcare.org. That's memorialcare.org. Dr. Lay, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I'm Deborah Howell. Join us again next time as we explore another weekly dose of wellness brought to you by Memorial Care Health System. Have a wonderful day.